hello and welcome back to the F2 show. I am not your host, Fraser Ford. I'm inside F2's other multitasker, LA Wilshaw. Joining me to review this weekend at the Castellet are inside F2 writers Jenny Craig and from the North American content, Paula Silva, and F1 Feeder Series podcast host, Jim Kimberly, who's also in North America. So this is the international show tonight. <laughs> So coming up on tonight's show, we're going to chat about Japanese sensation Ayumu Iwasa's outstanding feature race win. We're also going to talk about the French team's domination and a look ahead to the Hungara ring this weekend. But first, let's start with the championship standings. Well, Felipe Djokovic maintains his championship lead by 39 points after finishing P3 and P4 in the sprint and feature races. Teo Pichet hops back into P2 after his second place finish in the feature race. 16 points behind is Logan Sargent after a bittersweet weekend. Jay Handeruvla is best of the rest in P4 as he visited the second step of the podium in the sprint race. La Castellet sprint race winner Liam Lawson sits in fifth, bumping him up a few spots. And Jack Doohan is in sixth after his fourth and fifth places this weekend. The team's championship sees ART taking the helm after the French team's double feature race podium over MP Motorsport, who drop to second. And in third are Carlin, just two points behind MP. Prima are in fourth after a decent points haul from Jehan Deruvela. There were nil points for Hitech this weekend in fifth. And Dams are in sixth with points from both Iwasa and Nisani this time out. That Logan Sargent did everything he needed to do this weekend to get some valuable points, though he was stuck in a DRS train for the sprint race. So first of all, were you impressed with his qualifying session? I think one thing that you can say for sure about Sargent's season is that his qualifying in the most recent races has been really impressive. He's the first driver since Piastri to get three poles in a row. And I think... One thing about Logan's season is that his qualifying in the last three rounds or so has been incredible, having pole, even though it wasn't by much this time for Miwasa, it was still a great effort considering how everyone else's last laps were. Yeah, it was something like 0 0.006 seconds, wasn't it? It was probably one of the tightest qualifying sessions ever. And I think he stated over the radio that he did, really didn't think he had it, but but he did. You know, he pipped, pipped everyone to the post again. But, but did his feature race DNF affect, well, is it affecting his championship hopes? If it was his own error, I might have said, yeah, because it would have dented his confidence. But every single interview that he's done, recently has he's just used confidence and that's so important when you consider how Drogovic is performing at the moment yes he's consistent but he's not putting in those standout performances that he was doing at the start of the season like he did in Spain if he was putting in those kinds of performances I don't think I'd even look outside of him and Porsche but at the moment, I think the rookies like Sergeant Iwasa, Vesti and Duan, they're starting to get that experience that they need and they're starting to really challenge. And I think it's just been so good to watch how Sergeant's been performing in particular. But then obviously Iwasa, which we're going to cover later, but it's just nice to see the rookies coming up a little bit. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I know that Paul has been watching the um, rookies as well and, and did a, a recent article about them. So hopefully you're still watching them all, Paula. But so so like Sergeant Paula, um, Enzo Fittipaldi's also improved this season massively, sort of not quite the second half of the season, but certainly in the last few races. But this weekend he had an issue in Quali that dropped him down the starting order. Then he had the spin in the sprint race, you know, that saw him pick up a five second time penalty for the feature race start so will this weekend be a disappointment to him do you think no i believe he will come back stronger after this weekend he showed what he's made of he still managed to score a point after you know the difficulties so i believe um he's gonna come back strong and continue showing his potential yeah yeah that's fair enough so jim Let's take a look at the championship leader, Felipe Drogovic. What do you think about his weekend in Le Castellet being P3 and P4? I think it's starting to show that he is really concentrating on the championship at this point. Um, and that's not anything that's, that's negative. I don't think if he started the season like this, you'd be thinking, why is he being so overly cautious? But when you look at the way that Porsche was racing with his move on the outside um, of him in the sprint race, I think it was. Um, and then subsequent moves, which netted him a penalty, which was um, deserved. I think those are the sort of moves you're making when you're chasing the championship rather than when you're leading the championship. So I think Felipe is not getting the no, he's not getting the not performances. He's not getting the results he was getting before, but I think his performances are probably at the same level. And it's not that he's going under the radar, but if he wasn't leading the championship, you wouldn't notice it so much. At the moment, he is just churning them away. I think he had the DNF, not DNF, I think he had the none point score, sorry, in this Austrian feature race as his only real blot on his recent marks. But he is still the championship leader and he's still the championship leader by far. The thing that's out of his control is something happening to him like what happened to Sargent, like a mechanical problem, like a clutch failing or something like that. And that's the only thing I think at the moment, if you look at his French race, if you look at his recent races, which could really scupper him. But yeah, I think right now he can just get fourth place, which turns into third place and so on. And if you have, oh, desperation's too far, but you have races like Porsche making very aggressive maneuvers which either could end up in a crash but and are ending up in penalties Drovic is still going to be the championship leader going into the the break and then probably the championship leader at the end of it um he's driving at a different level in France I think was the epitome of that new level he's driving at maintenance level yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell if he's just sort of playing it safe or or it's just what's coming out in the wash. And, you know, he hasn't had a win since the Monaco feature race. So do you think it's OK for him to take it easy because of the points cushion that he's got? If if that's maybe what's on his mind rather than risk everything, you know, and risk crashing out. You know, or would you like him to make a stronger statement considering his ambitions are to be in Formula One? If you consider, well, I, there's a few things there to unpack. So let's go on the Formula One thing first. Is he going to be thinking he'll get to Formula One? I don't know where the seat is. I think he needs to win the championship. And then that's always going to be a massive headline on his on his CV or resume. So I think that's important for him to come into this and 
before the season started, one, he probably wrote off Formula One unless I don't know what could really happen here. Like Ricardo gets dropped by McLaren and Vettel retires and Alonso goes. It's like that's the sort of thing that has too many permutations required for any gaps to open up in Formula One at the moment. And then ahead of him, Oscar Piastri is going to get a seat somewhere. Porsche has probably got a bigger chance regardless of what happens, even though Joe's doing well. It's like these are things that it hasn't fallen in his favour through the academies and various other reasons. Um, so I think he's probably thinking maybe a F1 reserve role, more likely do something in America or sports car or something like this and be a paid driver. And instead of having to get the funds, get paid to race, which is what he ultimately, what all these people want to do is get paid to race. So want to win the world championship, but failing that, getting paid to race cars for the next 20, 30 years, not a bad existence for people who love racing cars. So um, F1 ambitions, I don't know. The win side of things, though, I think is different because he doesn't need to win and he got his wins done early. And so if he doesn't win the rest of the season, it doesn't make him not the champion. And if you consider Schumacher's year when he won, he didn't get a win until, what, the last half of the season. And even then, he only got two wins. And nobody thinks, oh, Schumacher won the championship, but he only won two races. That's not what people think. So Djokovic could not win from here on out, not even get a podium from here on out. If he got fourth place, for the next what the next five rounds and still finish ahead of Porsche Sergeant, whoever else is chasing him, he'll still be the champion and he'll always be remembered as a champion. And he's got one, two, three feature race wins. That amazing weekend in Spain. He's fine. He's gonna be absolutely fine, even if he doesn't win again this season. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't agree more. So Jenny, let's have a look at Dennis Halgo, who's another one of the rookies and who's a Formula 3 champion right now. And he finished 12th and 16th this weekend. Um, you know, obviously in the feature race, Beckman caught him and he had to have his front wing change, dropping him down to the back. But has he just had a bit of an unlucky season this season or is he not quite adapting to Formula 2 as well as the likes of Logan Sargent seems to be? I'm quite shocked about Hauger, to be honest, this season, because when you look at his form in F3, he was incredible. He completely dominated. I've thought about it a lot, and I can't tell whether it's just sort of a Schumacher situation where he needs two years, like he did in F3. But the Primer as well, when you first saw that announcement, I thought after his performance in F3 and how Primer were last year, I thought, it could potentially happen again, but they don't seem quite near where they were last year at all. But I don't I don't know whether he does seem to be involved in a lot of incidences and a lot of them aren't really his fault. So it's hard to say really what could have been because it's always quite early on as well. He's just, I don't think he's had the chance apart from Monaco to really show the champion that he showed last year. Yeah, yeah. Can I just say with a bit of that, sorry, Ali. Yeah, so can I just say with a bit of that as well? I think what we've had in recent years with the likes of your Piastri's and Russell's and go back as Leclerc is when you get these rookies that come through and are one of the top teams, there's almost the expectation of like, oh, that team were good last year. You're good. This is going to be really good. And it will take time to bed in. And you know, we're all big fans of Sargent at the moment because he's just done so well. But it wasn't. It wasn't like he was doing bad at the start of the season, but he wasn't doing as well as he is now. But I feel that when you go to a Premer as it currently has been, but yeah, Premer, ART, Dams now that might be doing a little bit better, those sorts of teams, it's almost, oh, you've got to go in and be a championship favourite. 
and you don't treat them the same way as a rookie. So we're all like saying, well done, Ayumu Wasa, you, you're winning races now because you're a rookie. You look at how you're like, oh, why aren't you doing so well? Why aren't you in the championship, Dennis? And I think you have to give a break to these drivers who do make it through. You know, still won a race this year. Still at least one race and look through it now is... Um, yeah, so you got the sprint race win at Monaco, got the feature race win at Baku. Of course he did at the feature race win at Baku. He's not doing badly. Um, he's just not doing a piastri, but that doesn't mean he's not doing well. His second season, he won the championship in his second season. He could win the championship in his second season again. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just sort of feel that, you know, at one point uh, around Baku, he was fifth and now he's down to 11th. So, you know, there's there's only quite a few, there's only a small amount of points between those, those sort of six or so drivers. So obviously an, a win or a better finishing position completely shifts everything around again, doesn't it? So Paula, third on the feature race podium was Frederick Vesti. Who, who seems to just keep, keep popping his head up every now and again. And he's in the Mercedes Young Driver program with amazing prospects ahead of him. You know, and he's just got that third podium, uh, his third podium this season. So do you feel that he had a good weekend in Le Castellet, being P5 in the sprint race as well? Yes, it's fantastic. I mean, not only him, but his team, Art Grand Prix, like it was amazing because because both drivers scored points in both races. So that's a really good result. They're heading to Hungary with a lot of motivation to continue scoring points. And his season has been really impressive, like Barcelona, Imola, Silverstone, and now France. It's been a really good season for Vesti. Yeah, I mean, he, he got his elbows out a little bit with his own teammate. Um, you know, he sort of see, he came across the front of him at the race start in the feature race and uh, Teo in the cool down room sort of said, didn't you see me? And uh, yeah. I, think he, I think his answer was probably quite diplomatic, but uh, it's quite a, a funny moment. And did, did you hear that? Did you what do you think about that? I saw that after the race, but I mean, it's it happens. Stuff like that happens all the time. But I'm very excited to see how this team has two potential drivers that are scoring points consistently, and they're very, very talented. So I really want to see what the future holds for both of them. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Both very fine, polite, amazing young men as well. So Jim, Jay Handerubler. He's just enjoyed his sixth podium this season, but still no race win. What does he have to do to get onto the top step? He looked quick in the well, probably qualified better, let's be fair. Uh, I don't think qualifying has been particularly his strongest suit. And yeah, I was I've been trying to think about it. Like Darivala's a quick driver, but I don't know from what we've seen in his third year, you know, I spoke just about Hauger and going into Prima. Darivala is a third year driver. Clearly got talent, clearly got speed, got that Red Bull backing and probably a lot of pressure on him. And if you want to be making that championship push, you do need to be getting the wins, especially the feature race wins. They're the ones that really give you a, a massive points advantage. And you know, podiums are terrific. I mean, he's, he's been on the podium a bunch. Um, but the second place is, there's only so much that that's going to help him. More second place has been in sprint races. It's they're not with the points are paid. So qualifying better will help. Um, I think the problem that I've seen with him, and I don't know if it's a tyre-related thing, is 
he seems to fall backwards as well. Like he's, he's led how many races and then not converted them into, into victories. And it's not for poor defense or what it, I, I don't know what it is. It's, he didn't, he didn't have a way to stop drivers passing him. And in a sprint race, it's not actually as important because it's just a couple of points you're losing here and there. It's going to come round at some point in the feature race because you could finish in, you know, in fourth place in the feature race and have more points anyway. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if it's a case of defending harder. And like we saw with Leclerc and Verstappen in the, in the Formula One race until um, Leclerc broke Ferrari hearts before Ferrari broke Ferrari hearts later, that if you defend hard against a car who's quicker, like we saw with Verstappen, who was quicker in the first bit of that race, you can still stay ahead and maybe getting his elbows out is better, but that might put you at risk of being out of the race. So I don't know. I thought that's an unfortunate answer. I don't know what he can do. Um, I think at the moment he's just trying to do that. What we always say consistently to see is key and he's finishing the races and he's getting the sprint race podiums, but I think the best thing you do is get a couple of pole positions and convert from there. That's where he seems to have done better in sprint races because he's going higher in the order because of the reverse grid. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with the tyre situation. I do sort of feel like his tyres fall off a lot quicker than other people. And then um, I don't know if that's the way he's managing them or just that's the setup of the car. Um, But obviously, you know, if that is the reason why he is being overtaken and losing that first place or those podium places, then that would be good for for himself and the team to to have a better look at it, you know, because he is is a favourite of Inside F2 and, you know, we wish him the absolute best for his career so talking about um race winners feature race winners jenny one of my favorites of the 2022 season is ayomu iwasa and him and his teammate roy nasani seem to be having two very different seasons at dams you know iwasa is not only out driving his teammate but yesterday won the feature race by over eight seconds which is out driving the entire field so how do you rate his weekend and his season so far? I think what he managed to do yesterday was unreal. But at the same time, it wasn't a massive shock because I feel like what he's done this year already, I can't remember if it was his first race. It was definitely Bahrain. It was the first round and he came from the back of the grid and he was in, he was very much in like the top positions already and everyone was already talking about him and there was this massive buzz around Owasa. But it seems like in between then and now, well, until yesterday, he's had he's had the pace, but a little bit like Lawson and Hauger, he's not had the luck. I think that putting it together to get the feature race win, I think is definitely what he needed. And I think now he's got that medal and he's got the confidence I think he can definitely start pushing forward yeah I mean you're absolutely right with him putting the package together because that's been one of his sort of consistent storylines throughout you know when he's been interviewed in press conferences or or around them is that you know he knew he had a really great car and he knows he's got a talent um, but he, he needed to just gel those together and kind of come into sort of this perfect symmetry with that dance car and you know, from his post-race interviews on Sunday, he was saying he eventually came together, you know, he's eventually clicked, which obviously when it clicks, 
he goes and wins a race by over eight seconds. So Can I just do a quick shout out to his teammate who somehow managed to get a five second penalty while overtaking about eight cars off the track. I was amazed how he got away with this. I don't know if you guys saw it. I was keeping an eye on it. So Jesse, Jenny nodding away if anybody's listening. He got the five second penalty and the commentators, of course, were like, oh, he's got five second penalty for going off track, getting an advantage. What advantage he gained? So it was in the first couple of laps when we saw Armstrong, who has almost as much luck as Richard Vashaw, and um, who else was it that crashed? Sato, was it? That in the background, I just saw Nisani just scuppering away, just taking a couple of positions already, and then he cut the corner, must have rejoined, immediate safety car, can't give the positions back, and I was like, oh, they're going to have to, he's going to give those positions back, but no, he's just up nine places, it was yeah, that was a move of the weekend for me. Not so much from the stewards, but from Roy Nassani getting a five-second penalty for essentially overtaking half the field illegally. That's impressive. And when we talk about luck, that is the most lucky part of the weekend, the way he... I know he got a five-second penalty, but he got away with that so much. And I don't think and, it's and malicious either, right? It no. wasn't like he was like, I was just trying to avoid the accident. And when he rejoined, he didn't have a chance to put it all back. But that is exactly right. The fortune. Yeah, 100%. I was watching it back because I was doing the report and so much happened in the first races. And I watched it. I must have watched that bit about three times. And I was like, surely not. Because as well, <laughs> I knew he had a five-second penalty. And I found that so funny. Well very, done, very reminiscent of uh johnny herbert in that sim race when they were doing the sim races right nice. <laughs> take your penalty but you've made all them places up no problem um so uh, just for fun though just for fun um so paula well look at we were just talking about art before uh the castellet has been a good circuit for that team in the past you know not just this weekend um but obviously this weekend they got their their double podium the p2 and the p3 in the feature race so could that result be put down to a home advantage do you think or is it because they're currently the best team out there i think um it's it's good they're both improving and each track gets better for them um they're both gaining a lot of experience each round so i don't think it was luck for being uh home and i do expect a good result in hungary for both of them yeah definitely do you do you feel that um you know the start of the season Teo was was quite you know an exciting prospect for the championship but hasn't quite you know put put his season together still kind of feel like it's on the cusp of that um do you feel like he's delivering he's delivering but not as much as he used to but he's still very very good he has a lot of potential yep we can all see that definitely and I think we'll all be excited to see him in, in Formula One one day I think he's definitely going to be there as Jim said before so Jim is, is uh, before I say is the ART curse over that's my big thing because <laughs> two ARTs on the podium what an absolute result that was who just thought that at the start of the season you're gonna have Lundgaard crying seeing this sort of stuff it's ART are, are back they are absolutely it looks like dams are back as well doesn't it really but <laughs> so high tech let's go let's have a look at them that didn't score any points this weekend um and and their pit stops this weekend and this season so jim you know you're, you're never one really to to refrain restrain yourself and hold back so what are your thoughts on on the high tech team and their pit stops and you know what effects are they having on the race results 
oh, their pit stops are giving them wins. Oh, no, no, they're not. They're absolutely costing the... Oh, it's the frustration you must feel to be Vips, Armstrong, or just anybody who gets any sort of pit stop problem. Sergeant in particular this time, but that wasn't anything to do with his crew. I... So just uh, pulling the veil back a little bit. Sorry, podcast viewers, listeners, but I got the questions before we were recording and I was like, okay, I know they've had a lot of bad pit stops that we go and try and find out where, but it takes a little bit of research. So I'm not going to have to be the one to not pull my punches because thank you to Reddit user Idris Mualdi, who has kindly yesterday put together the Yuri Vips pit stop situation. This is just Yuri Vips here as well. Bahrain, slow stop. Barcelona, slow stop. Of course, that didn't really help uh, with further problems. Silverstone, slow stop. Austria, slow stop. France, slow stop. The Bahrain one is a big one because he lost a win from that. And when you're losing a win, that is a big deal. So the thing that stunned me looking into all of this was when I was like, well, where is Vips in the championship? Because he's not had a bad season and he's been, you know, he's thrown really good results away and I can't defend him on that. That's been poor and I think his performance in the Red Bull um, at Spain hasn't really helped his case let alone other things that happened off track which we won't go into but 12th place in the championship how the hell is he that far down he's like one is better than that two it's not his fault he's that far back despite his issues not finishing races it's not like high tech don't have pedigree in racing generally and in this championship, they've been doing it long enough to not have these mistakes. And I know it's very easy for an arms chair expert to go and say, you know, this, you just sort this out because it must be so difficult having so few people working on the car. And I could see after the pit stop how straw is, I think the rear left Jackman was just like, it must kill to do it. But how can one team have so many pit stop problems? It's really, really bad. And, not only is it costing the drivers championship positions, it's costing them. They're fifth in the standings at the moment. And going into the season, they'd be expecting to be amongst the Carlins, amongst ARTs, probably better than MP Motorsport. The way behind. Um, it's not all their, the mechanics' fault, but it is somewhat self-inflicted. And summer break, maybe. Do a lot more practice, but maybe it's a pressure getting to them. But yeah, it's, it's very problematic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I'm aware, you know, some Formula One teams have a very specific, you know, they have um, sort of trainers or performance coaches that are involved with the team and, and they kind of put these pit stops together almost like a ballet, you know, it's, it's practice, practice, practice um, until, it, until it's right. Now, of course, we all know F1 has a bigger pit stop crew. Of course it does. Um, but yeah, I do think that it, that's, you know, why I asked the question, because when they're coming into the pits now, I'm kind of anticipating a, a slow stop from them. And this weekend, you know, it happened again. And, you know, we are they're a British team for us, British people, you know, in the group and we were championing them. So, you know, obviously we want them to do well and, and 
and we want them to uh, certainly uh, get better and improve. So there is so much to talk about the weekend and, and we can't include every driver, even though I'd love to. I want to talk about Liam Lawson and his win, you know, and, and, and everybody else's is results. But we just can't. We just don't have the time. Um, and it's a very quick turnaround from the Castellet to this weekend in Hungary. You know, it's a back to back. Um, and the Hungara Ring is a circuit that Formula Two hasn't visited since 2020. So for Jenny and Paula, and we'll start with Jenny first, um, who who do you think will do well this weekend? Now that um, Jim said that we get the questions beforehand, I was so, I've been thinking about this for so long and I can't pick just one because like I said before, with the rookies being as they are, like just coming forward the way they are, I can't pick even just one of them. And then there's obviously Djokovic and Porsche isn't holding anything back in this championship. I'm going to go for Sargent because of the three poles in a row. And I do think that he'll be angry within the car. So I'm going to go with Sargent. OK, that's very interesting. And Paula, I'll ask you the same question, you know, who do you think will do well this weekend? And bearing in, mind, bearing in mind that, you know, not every driver's a rookie, but all the current drivers, none of them, as far as my knowledge goes, have finished on the podium. So it's a bit of an equal playing field, really, coming up for this weekend. So what are your thoughts? Well, considering Armstrong and... Um other drivers such as Drugovic have been have raced in Formula Two in this track before. I do believe that they will have a little bit of advantage. I be, I believe Drugovic will also have a lot of advantage, but I mean that's expected. But I want to see Fittipaldi back in the point zone again. And yes, I don't know why I'm feeling like Caldwell can score points anytime now. So I'll I'll wait for that. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I mean, Enzo did manage to nick that last point in the feature race, but we definitely want him higher up, don't we? So, mm -hmm. Jim, slightly different question, but still Hungara Ring. What can we expect from the circuit itself regarding Formula 2? And bearing in mind that there might just be a little bit of rain in the air on Saturday, but overall the temperatures look like they're going to be soaring. It's a great track. I actually think it's one of the better tracks on the calendar, but racing not in a real car unfortunately for me not yet the f1 teams still call me I'm, I'm available but the the track's really fun to drive it's not, not great for overtaking it really isn't um so what to expect the main straight that turn one and well the, the first sector is actually really good for some side-by-side -side racing you just have to have a really good exit off the final corner so what to expect is whoever gets pole position feeling pretty strong to win the race um i don't know who's that going to be sergeant's obviously done pretty well recently Uwasa was uh looking like he's going to get pole position as well with his amazing run in in this time how that translates to 2022 i don't know and i think you put it right i don't think any of the current grid have got any silverware there in formula two machinery um but Hauga, Hauga won everything last year, but he, had, he did win in Formula 3. So I don't know how much that helps him. It doesn't seem to have helped him all that much in the rest of the season. But I mean, it, the good thing is it's anybody has a chance of doing well. But you've got to watch on Friday to see who's going to get the lion's share of the points, I think. I think qualifying here, somewhat like Monaco, 
is going to be pretty important. They call it Monaco without the walls uh, quite often. But I'm hopeful at the same time that like DRS, the, the the bandage that always seems to help us out a little bit, might give us that bit of an advantage going down the main straight, turn one, turn two, turn three, turn four. Those that that is where you might get some passes. But whoever gets pole position is in pole position, ironically, to win the race. It's uh it's not the easiest track to pass on, but it still can be a good bit of entertainment, especially in Formula Two. So fingers crossed for rain on the sprint race, maybe to make it entertaining, but yeah, the reverse grid will make it more fun. Um, but yeah, I think the race is going to be won on Friday. Yeah, I just I feel it's going to be down to the the drivers that have been managing their tires a lot better than the others this season. It's probably a very high tire management circuit because of those, you know, those extreme temperatures. So perhaps we'll still see, you know, those those outstanding drivers, you know, showing what they can do, the ones that have already proved that they can. Uh, you know, change the tyres and mess around with that strategy. So, yeah, it should be good. It should be a good, exciting race, shouldn't it? Well, that is all we have got time for today. So many thanks to Jenny, Paula and Jim for joining me on the F2 show. If you've enjoyed it, make sure you give it a like and subscribe for more Formula 2 content. Letting us know your thoughts in the comments on what we've chatted about tonight and all the drivers we couldn't fit in um, easily. We could have made this an hour this weekend, uh, about this weekend for sure. Um, hashtag the F2 show to get involved in the conversation. But from me, LA Wilshaw, not Fraser Ford, and all of us here at Inside F2, we'll see you next time. <laughs>